This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us on ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN app, all of our great ESPN stations across the country, and it's, of course, SiriusXM Channel 80, where you'll get all of the postseason in Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Today at 3 p.m. Eastern time, the Rangers and the Rays, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, Blue Jays and Twins, 7 p.m. Eastern, Diamondbacks and Brewers, and then at 8 p.m. Eastern, the Marlins and the Phillies. Remember, it's best two of three to start us off here as the Rangers, Twins, Diamondbacks, and Phillies will all have a chance to advance today and after their wins yesterday across Major League Baseball. Well, Jerry Jones always makes news. He speaks every single week to 105.3, the fan in Dallas. And they are getting ready, the Cowboys are, for their matchup against the San Francisco 49ers this week, who Jerry Jones is, um, well, a fan of. Take a listen to who he thinks is the most likely favorite to get to the Super Bowl. Frankly, we need to worry about uh, execution and need to worry about ourselves and not so much about what they are because uh, they are right now uh, probably the uh, most likely team to uh, go in the Super Bowl. And, uh, but in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us. And how do they stack up against the Niners? I like our defense. I think we're playing better than we've played, and we've been playing some pretty good defense the last few years. And frankly, this is the best I've felt about our offense this year, uh, certainly during training camp or any time. I think if we maximize what we're doing with Dak and execute, and we were able to execute the other day. They were letting us do some stuff and uh, out there on those corners that uh, really gave us some wind. And uh, we're going to need some wind early with San Francisco. There's uh, no reason physically, no reason scheme-wise, that we shouldn't go out there and play well enough to win a football game. So a couple of interesting things, CC, that he said here, and you as a former Cowboy obviously know Jerry Jones and probably have heard some of those speeches in your day, in conversations in your day. First of all, I love how he says we can't worry about them, but they're the, they're the, the favorites to go to the Super Bowl, but we can't worry about <laughs> them. And then he talks about maximizing Dak. What does that mean exactly? Well, this is Jerry Jones telling Dak Prescott, if you want to get paid top of the market money, not once, but twice with me, you're going to have to show me in these types of games. Like There are no questions about the San Francisco 49ers. They're one of the most complete teams in football, but we have questions about the Dallas Cowboys, and they don't start with the talent. They start with the head coach and the quarterback, and this team collectively being able to avoid the self-inflicted wounds. So can you go into a game – with a team that, from a talent standpoint, you're looking at eye-to-eye and get on the winning side of it. This is a Dak Prescott question, and this is also a Mike McCarthy question, and I think Jerry Jones is setting the stage for that with his comments yesterday. I know one of the questions that we have coming out of this game, if the Cowboys win, will be, are you a believer in them? They they beat both New York teams, which doesn't look like a tough feat to open the season. They lost to the Arizona Cardinals, and they beat New England. Not exactly world beaters that they've been able to beat. And Arizona, a team that we presume to be tanking, you lose to. But if they're able to beat the 49ers, who are the most complete team in football and look like the Super Bowl favorites, will we view the Cowboys differently? And I don't think we will. Unfortunately for them, until they do it in the playoffs, it kind of doesn't matter to me what they do in the regular season. Yes, this would be a signature win. Yes, this would be a confidence builder. Yes, this would be a measuring stick in a lot of ways to what the Dallas Cowboys are. 
But until they're able to do it consistently in the postseason and actually push through, I don't think we're going to view Dak or Mike McCarthy any differently. I don't know if that's fair, Smalls, because, I mean, we had questions about the Buffalo Bills until they dismantled the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. And then now, all of a sudden, we're looking at the Bills and saying, hey, is this the best team in all of the AFC, including the Kansas City Chiefs? Maybe. Maybe. So I do think Dallas has an opportunity to change the perception of who and what they are, and they have an opportunity to build confidence in themselves. Now, here's the problem with what Jerry Jones said in calling the San Francisco 49ers, for lack of a better word, the litmus test for this team. It cuts both ways. If you go out there and you get dominated by San Francisco, you think you're going to believe you can beat them in the postseason after you got bounced by them in each of the last two postseasons? Probably not. So I think that's the the one, I guess, caveat to Jerry Jones building this game up, hyping this game up, it's already going to get the attention. It's the Sunday night game. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to be locked in. It's standing alone. It presents an opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys, but it also could end up leading to the Dallas Cowboys, you know, ultimately being in a situation where they don't necessarily have the confidence that they need once they get to the tournament, even though from a talent standpoint, they have what it takes. If you look at this Cowboys schedule, it's an interesting point that Smalls just made. Giants, Jets, Cardinals, Patriots, right? We didn't think before the season that was easy, right? We thought that the Giants were a playoff team a year ago. Jets had Rodgers at the time we looked at the schedule. Cardinals, okay. And Patriots, we thought, okay, the Cowboys can win, but that'll be more competitive. They won 38-3. If somehow they get through this one and they win this game on the road against San Francisco, which I think is a really difficult ask going up against a team that is literally 14-0 in their last 14 games. I mean, the Niners are three games away, three wins away from a full 17-game season, in essence, over two seasons going undefeated, right? But then at the Chargers, home against the Rams. I mean, they should win those games, too, before the game against the Eagles on the road. But, I mean, their schedule has been very easy. I've been very high on the Cowboys, but now I actually have to take a step back and wonder, am I misguided in being high on them because of their their difficulty or lack thereof in their scheduling so far? Yeah, I mean, listen, they're always a team that's going to give us cause to pause because of the mistakes. Like, the last couple of years, they lead the league in in penalties. I I mean, the turnovers at inopportune times. Now, another issue that's popped up is them in the red zone. Post-Kellen Moore hasn't been great. They're one of the worst red zone teams in all of football a year after being one of the best red zone teams in football. So, there are a lot of... You know, different things, different aspects of this team that you look at and say, that's not quite right. That's not what you look for in a championship contender, a team that can win a Super Bowl. And so until they clean up all of those things and beat quality opponents, there's always going to be the doubt in the back of our minds on whether or not they can get it done. And if everybody around this team is saying it, I'm pretty sure there's some people in the building that feel the same way. Yeah, and I'm just so high on the Niners right now. Like, I... I don't know. I'm, I, I I respect the hell out of the, the Eagles. I think the Eagles find ways of winning. I love Jalen Hurts. I, I don't know. In my head, I keep going back to, are we just pacing ourselves for a Niners-Chiefs Super Bowl? And if that doesn't happen, would we look at that as a major disappointment? The Niners just beat the crap out of people. And Brock Purdy is playing unbelievably well. Their defensive line is phenomenal. And the Chiefs, we sat here and we will continue to sit here, Chiefs versus the field. When push comes to shove, you're still taking the Chiefs. But I think we are heading towards a Chiefs and Niners Super Bowl, and anything else right now would be a little bit surprising in the NFC and shocking in the AFC. I don't know that I'd be surprised if the Eagles were in it. Oh, I see, I, I feel conversely. I feel like if it's not 
the 49ers in the NFC, I'd be shocked. I know you're saying the Eagles, but in the AFC, you would be shocked if the Dolphins found a way. You'd be shocked if the Bills found a way. I think so. Wow, really? If the way was by beating Kansas City in Kansas City, yeah, I'd be shocked. I mean, they don't lose in Kansas City in the postseason with Mahomes. Well, they did once in the AFC title game against the the, the Patriots, Patriots. Yeah. yeah. That was an overtime game with controversial calls, so there was stuff I mean, that had to happen. First season as a starter. Yeah, first <laughs> yeah. season as a starter. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and it was one of the great re- uh, playoff games you'll see in, ever. But I have more confidence. So if you had to say right now you're going to make a dollar bet as to I'll guarantee you one team from one of the conferences will make the Super Bowl, you're saying it's more likely Niners than Chiefs? Yeah, I think they're more dominant right now. I mean, we just saw the Jets and Zach Wilson go toe-to-toe with Mahomes and the Chiefs. Fair. If you had to make a, a dollar bet on that, CC, you either get to guarantee somebody from the AFC or guarantee somebody from the NFC. you got to bet money on it. Oh, I'm going Chiefs. Me too. I'm going Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs too. I'm going Chiefs. Let's and the Niners this. are playing better than the Chiefs right now, yeah. but I'm still going Chiefs. Because of the history. I mean, it and matters, because of Mahomes and Reed. I get it. I get it. But I just, I think top to bottom, the 49ers look like a more complete team and a more dominant team right now than the Chiefs. I understand that they have the history, they have the pedigree, they have the best quarterback to do it, one of the best of all time. And it's tough to bet against him. But right now, I'm that high on the 49ers. I think you're 1,000% right in what you're saying about right now. But it also goes back to your point about, okay, so if the Cowboys win this week, are we really going to change our opinion on them when really what we're waiting for is that postseason success, right? So in some ways, I think, and CeCe, I don't want to speak for you, but in some ways, you and I are saying, okay, fine. There's a team better than the Chiefs right now. Okay, fine. The Bills are having a nice little run here. Dolphins offense, outside of the Sunday, has looked unbelievable. But in January... I ain't picking against the Chiefs. Well, well it means something different for the Dallas Cowboys, though. Like, the, the Dallas Cowboys don't have the postseason track record. I mean, they, they have the fifth longest conference championship game drought of anybody in football. So, I mean, them getting a win in the regular season of this magnitude matters in terms of being able to instill confidence in them that they can get it done against this team or the Philadelphia Eagles if those teams are in their way on the route to the Super Bowl. So, I always say confidence comes from demonstrated performance. This is one of those situations. Can't believe it, it's it's already here in week five where the Dallas Cowboys have a huge opportunity to prove something to themselves, more so than the rest of the football world, because the guys in that locker room, the people in that building are the only ones that matter when it comes to whether or not this team is actually going to realize their potential. The irony of all of it. So let's say they have this massive win on the road at the Niners. That would be the best win of the season by any team, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, considering the Niners literally don't lose. I, I was, oh, oh, maybe the Lions, the first game of the season. The, the Lions, the, the what the Bills did to the Dolphins yeah, was pretty, Dolphins pretty damn good impressive. Pretty yeah, good. But we're yeah. not shocked the Bills won. We're shocked the way they won, right? Yeah. Well, the Dolphins were coming off a score of 70. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and looked unbelievable. And they dominated them. <laughs> yeah. But this is where one of these things where, like, the totality of the season, like, I always say when people say about fourth quarter scoring in basketball, like, oh, this guy's great in the fourth quarter. I'm like, you know it counts the same in the fourth as it does the first, right? It counts exactly the same amount of points. The ni- Beating the Niners doesn't count like beating the Patriots mentally, but they also lost to the Cardinals. So if you look at their schedule up until this, po- this point, they would be 4-1. and one. And if you looked at it now looking back, you would say, oh, they should be 4-1. and one. They should lose to the Niners and beat the other four teams. So they end up getting to the exact same place. They just do it in a way that is that is frustrating if you're a Cowboys fan. Like, hey, if we could beat the Niners – but we lost to the Cardinals? How the heck did that happen? But they still would be 4-1 and one after that point. But I think, yeah, you're looking at the Niners on the road, the, the Dolphins over the, the Broncos, Bills over the Dolphins, Lions over the Chiefs. It's probably the best wins of the year so far if this were to happen in the NFL. Yeah, but I mean, there are certain games that are bigger than others in an NFL schedule, just like there are certain shots that are bigger than others in basketball, even though they count for the same. Like, I think it matters 
in terms of being able to get it done against a team that has looked like the most complete team through football in the first quarter of the season. So, yeah, I think it's an opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not going to downplay it. I think it's huge in terms of being able to have success against a quality opponent. It makes it easier to dismiss the Arizona Cardinals loss as an outlier, which is most which is the position of most people, right? Like everybody wants to look at that and say, oh, that's not representative of who the Dallas Cowboys are. Well, you know how it's easy to say that to the guys in that locker room if you're Mike McCarthy? If you go out there and beat the San Francisco 49ers in their building, a team that beat you in the postseason in the last two years. Yeah, the narrative certainly changes. It goes from being what we would deem to be a bad loss and something that gives us us pause to the Dallas Cowboys uh, to maybe being like, that was a good thing for them because they realized they have to stay locked in and they can't overlook anybody. And look how they bounced back and they were able to show who they really were against the 49ers. Well, it certainly changes the rhetoric around the team if they, are, if they beat the 49ers. I'm so warped on the Niners right now. It's hard for me to envision them losing to anyone me too. outside of the Chiefs. Like, it never goes like that in oh, the NFL. I know. I it know. never You're goes right. like that You're in the right. NFL. It You're, never happens like You're that. You're a 1,000% right, yeah. but it's still hard to visualize that team. Although I, although I will say this, the Eagles did look like the best team in all of football. They were the last team to lose last year. I think I think it was week 10 against the Commanders, and they ended up being the team to go to the Super Bowl out of the conference. So maybe there's something to what you're saying. Coming up, I'm over it. Next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C, ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. The road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app, as we have four games today, just like we had four games yesterday. The Twins finally win a postseason game first since October of 2004. The Rangers, led by former Yankee and card Jordan Montgomery, which has these two over here not happy because those are their two teams, the Yankees and the Cardinals, get a win for the Rangers. Arizona comes back from 3 nothing down to beat the Brewers, and Philly beats the Marlins 4-1 behind Zach Wheeler's pitching last night. So one win away for each of those teams from advancing in the playoffs. But Pat Costello, one of our producers, is always annoyed about something. He's always over something. He's agitated by something. And today we find out, uh, Pat, what are you over? I got three things today for you guys. Okay. Number one, bags of chips. Why are bags of chips only a quarter full now and yet somehow more expensive than ever? I feel like I eat about four chips and the bag is empty already. Where are the rest of my chips? There is something to that. I will add on. You know what annoys me? The bag of chips at the airports. Mm. Because you could never get the small bag 
or the big bag. They yeah. come up with a size that's only at the airport that you can't buy anywhere else. Like I always look for because in my head I'm like, oh, this is healthy, the 100 calorie chips, mm-hmm. when I know that like that's obviously not that healthy. But they never have that at the airport. You actually look at the calories on the back well, of the Well, a lot of times they like them? big like advertise it like, oh, oh he's calories. looking. See, see, okay. he's looking. He's like, how many, how many calories are in this schmedium bag of chips at the Co- airport? Correct. Exactly right. Wow. I don't want the schmedium. I want the small. You want the small. Yeah, and it's, it's small is 100% right. Yeah, because less, less chips is more. Correct. Okay. Right. But in, in he's no, watching his no figure. one else ever. He's watching his figures. He's, he's watching his figure. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm watching it get round. I keep round. telling you round is the shape. <laughs> yeah, as you said. I keep trying to tell you. But I think Pat's on to something because yeah. if you open the bag of chips, and you'll see this a lot on Instagram or any kind of social media where there'll be like hacks where it's like, hey, if you get this extra large some drink from this place, but you pour it in a large cup, it's the same amount. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're doing with the chips all across the world. You know, the chip company is probably saying we need to have a certain amount of air in there to keep the bag, the shape that it needs to be to stock the shelves. You know, they have some sort of built in excuse as they to hus- why they we're getting. This. Yeah, of course. As to why we're only getting half the bag of chips. Yeah, it's, it's an easy explanation. It's, it's inflation, right? It's inflation. <laughs> all right. Everything, everything costs more. Like you're going to get less for whatever you're paying. But I guess to Pat's point, you're paying more and you're getting less. Right. So that's not necessarily the, the, the right answer. But. It's just the uh, cost of chips is going up with everything else. But think about it this way, CC. If you were going to – back when in our day when we were kids, if you were buying a big bag of chips, you didn't know how many chips were actually in there. So if they lessen the amount – No, I'm not counting the chips. I'm right. not Rain Man. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so if you lessen the amount of chips, if you're the company, yeah. we don't notice until we notice, and yet we're still buying them. Like, Pat, has this discouraged yeah. you from buying any chips? Uh, no, it is not. Right. So, so they, they, their costs are lower – and Pat's costs are higher. They so they're win. just going to keep raising the amount of the chips, and they keep putting in less chips, and they're just going to see where that point is where we're just not going to buy it anymore. That's correct. So until we get there, then they're going to keep hustling us. They're going to ask you to pay okay. 17 games, play 17 games, and pay you for about 12. That's what it's – and what are you going to say? Well, I don't really have a choice. Next one, Pat. Just tired of getting beaten down by big chip. Uh <laughs> You know who should be counting their calories on their bags of chips? James Harden. Because I'm already tired of you, James Harden. Uh, you're not good enough to be kicking up this kind of fuss anymore. If you were, someone would want to trade for you. And guess what? Nobody does. You've somehow become less valuable than Ben Simmons. And yet all I hear is you talking. I'm so over it. Okay, so James Harden is actually showing up to their training camp, at least per Adrian Wojnarowski's report. Now, what he does when, we, when he gets there in Philadelphia for the Sixers is going to be very interesting. And that, that training camp, I said yesterday, is in Colorado Springs. It's in Fort Collins, so I apologize to people in Colorado. Also said the Chiefs had not lost a home playoff game. Besides the Pats one, they did lose one to the Bengals on me. I'll take the L on that. No problem. Now, what does he do when he gets there? Okay? This is a fascinating thing. You're working for a company. You hate your job. How do you blow it all up? I have an idea. I have a, f- a few ideas. I'm okay. going to give you. I'm going to give you four ideas. What's the best idea for Harden to blow the whole thing up today with the Sixers? Right. Idea one: He comes to practice in a Ben Simmons jersey. <laughs> okay, comes to Sixers practice in a Ben Simmons jersey. That would Number go two: He has his phone on him during the actual practice, like Ben Simmons did. Mm-hmm. Number three. He literally wears the fat suit that everyone said he wore years ago in, in Houston, and he shows up in the fat suit. Mm-hmm. Idea four. He brings his uh, friends from the clubs with him to practice. 
<laughs> Which one would be the best of, okay, we can't have this guy here? I think the latter. The last the, the, one? The last one. I don't know. Some people on the team might like that one. No, I think they would love it. They, they ain't going to be focused on winning basketball games. <laughs> the calls coming from inside the building, yeah, the plant is yeah, inside. They'd be focused on something else. They'd they would trust that process. Of, exactly. They're all... Maybe focus on... You know, there have been some metrics out there that, yeah. that showcase when James, James Harden visits his friends at said mm-hmm. establishments that he does have a better performance. Mm. Mm-hmm. I just said he friends from the club. Did anyone ever do anything at a practice where you're just like, all right, this guy doesn't want to be here? Now, I don't mean play poorly, but mm-hmm. like trying to blow up the whole practice. No, not they, that I can remember, no. LT, no. the amazing thing is LT shows up in handcuffs and they're like, all right, get out there, 56. Yeah. Like, not handcuffs is a bit. Like, he was arrested, and they brought him in in handcuffs, and LT's still the most dominant player ever on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think the officers got some tickets to the game? Let them out of the cup. Let let, let them practice. We'll give you some tickets. That scene, if that was on video, you talk about the things you would love to see in sports history that are not on video. Everybody brings up Wilt scoring 100. It was not on television, right? The scene of LT showing up in handcuffs to Belichick and Parcells I would pay a lot of money to have seen that. Oh, you know what I want? I want a 30 for 30 on Rodman going to Vegas in season. Oh, I want that, There too. is a show I coming want out that. I want that. There? You know, I want you know that. what I mean? I wish cameras were rolling from him talking to Phil and Phil allowing him to go, him getting on the jet Ever going since out Jordan to told us the story of the last dance, I want to know exactly what happened that week in Vegas with Rodman. Give me the captain's log. I, I, I want know. it. And if you're the one person who hasn't seen the last dance, Pat Costello, it's available at ESPN+. Plus. You know Pat hasn't seen the last dance. I'm that's sorry, a, what? That's not true. I thought you said you hadn't seen it. No, I, I, I stopped after eight episodes. Right. Okay, then you haven't seen it. Right, you haven't seen it in full. All right, last one, Pat. Uh, I'm very tired of having to go to weddings where I have to spend a bunch of money. Uh, you're inviting me to your overly expensive party, and now I have to take out a, a small loan of a million dollars just so I can be in attendance. Well, now I'm, I'm in debt because of your wedding. I'm over it. What's the right thing to do then? I mean, how are you, you can't Listen. go to a wedding and not give a gift. You just went to a wedding in Atlanta. You gave a gift, right? I don't know. It just depends. I don't know what my wife did. Uh, listen, my, me, my presence is the gift, but I'm with. But I'm with Pat on this one, man. I am so with Pat on this one. Don't ask me to pay a small fortune to come to your wedding. If you really want me at your wedding, figure out a time and space where it makes sense for everybody to be able to get there and it be reasonable. Otherwise, you know what? I could just take the money I was going to spend on getting to the wedding and send you a really nice wedding gift. Like to me, I, I'm with that one. Like you got to consider your guests and, and different people needing different things. When you go to, I get it. It's your day. It's your wedding. I understand it. But if it's important for all of those people to be there, then damn it, you got to make sure that it's reasonable when it comes to the expenses out of the pocket. Pat has hit a nerve with this one because you're looking at like 27 dresses over here. I've been in a lot of weddings, been to a, a ton of weddings. I'm tapped out. I can't do it anymore. The amount of money that I have spent celebrating other people's decisions in love, I could I could put a down payment on a house. You have no idea. The dress, the bridesmaid's dress, the bachelorette party, the chipping in for this, the chipping in for that, the bridal shower. Oh, we need to get her a gift. Oh, you have to pay for hair and makeup. Oh, you need jewelry. Oh, by the way, you also have to attend the wedding and give a gift. I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. And there's no way by the way, that I am ever going to see that in return. The ROI is not going to match up for me. Is Are we just talking destination weddings or all weddings in general? All, all weddings, all in, weddings general. in general. All weddings in general, man. Like, look, it's man, out of control. If you're going to have a wedding, make sure you blow it out and you take care of your guests once they get in town. Flight, 
and hotel, that should be the guest responsibility. Everything else is on you. Like when I had my wedding, rehearsal dinner, all of y'all come through, even if you're not in the wedding. Cool. Just celebrate it. We got the drinks. We got the food. It's at Chicago Cut, which is one of the best steakhouses in town. I I got you. And then the following day, it's the wedding. Come through. We're going to have about a 15, 20-minute ceremony. Then we're going to get the party popping. I got the tequila bar and the gin bar. Shout out to Don Julio and my (laughs) my man Ed Bayo from Diageo hooking us up with that. Nice. And then the day after, we had the brunch. Nobody had to come out of pocket for food or drink. And I'm not saying this to be a baller thing. I'm saying it was important for our guests to feel like they could have a good time and not have to break their pockets. When you have a ho- when you have the hotel recommendations on the wedding website, make sure you got some cost effective options too, because everybody ain't balling. It's okay, but the fact that you got to pay crazy amounts of money to go to a wedding to celebrate your friend's love is absolutely asinine. Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. We are not over her. We love her. <laughs> She's going to join us next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. And if you hear that music, you know that Kimberly A. Martin is here as well. I hate that Nickelback. Like, I have literally three Nickelback songs, like, on my phone. And I hate that that's now, like, my signature band. But, Yeah, she is an ESPN NFL reporter, of course. And she's wonderful. And she joins us here on Unsportsmanlike. All right, let's have you weigh in on the conversation we were just having before we get to the NFL. There's a consensus on this show that everyone is over the price of weddings as a guest Forget having a wedding. The price of weddings as a guest. CeCe's angry about it. Smalls is angry about it. Pat, our producer, is angry about it. Where is Kimberly A. Martin on wedding prices as a guest? Uh, weddings as a whole are a racket. Um, <laughs> but the worst is when you are, like, a bridesmaid. And, like, that they use that as the – I actually don't talk to a couple people that used to be long-term friends because they wanted, <laughs> they wanted trips to, like, Puerto Rico and stuff. Like, on our dime, it's like, you're just getting married. Like, you're not – like, you didn't pass the bar. It's fine. Um, so, so, yeah, I just think weddings are, like, way too expensive. If you just say, hey, I want to get, like, 200 of my friends, like, together for a party – that's like way cheaper. The minute you say we're doing a wedding reception, oh, it's it's crazy. So no, I'm 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 down on weddings. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well done. Well well done by you. I agree. There's too many things that too many people you don't want there, food you don't want to eat, songs you don't want to hear. The wedding should be 
cheap for everyone if possible, which is impossible, mm-hmm. food you want to eat, songs you want to hear, and people 20 years from now, you look back at your photo album and be like, oh, I know him. I know her. Not who the hell is that? Right, 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 That's right, what right. you don't want. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk football here. I can't believe I'm asking this question, but who's more likely to not be in their current job next year mm. with their respective organization, Mike Tomlin or Bill Belichick? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man, that's hard. Y'all hit me with a heater already. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Belichick only because I know in Pittsburgh there is a huge like groundswell. Like people are like frustrated with Tomlin, but the Patriots have a history of being loyal, sometimes loyal to a fault. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Tomlin, I mean, they've had three head coaches in like 400 years. So I don't think Tomlin's going anywhere right now. Um, Belichick, unfortunately, Intelligent guy. I believe he went to Wesleyan University where I went. So clearly (laughs) he is a genius. Um, However, how he has – I think his role as GM has sort of hampered things as well. The roster does not look good. The decision to bring in Judge and Matt Patricia last year and how they messed up Mac Jones. I would say say Belichick if I had to choose between those two. Kmart, I'm resigning myself to the fact that my giant season is over with. And if we're doing the obituary, if we're writing an epitaph on the gravestone for the 2023 New York Giants, it says, here lies the Giants. What's going to be the footnote under that? What's going to be the reason that everybody points to as the undoing of this team? Uh, they paid the wrong guy. Um, no, honestly, uh, the Daniel Jones contract, I, I didn't like it when it was signed, but I'm all for guys making money. I think really this is, you know this, Chris, they have put money into the offensive line for I don't know how long, and it never seems to bear fruit. Like, I don't know what is, I think for me. A lot of draft picks. A lot of draft, and it just, it feels like every offseason we're talking about how the Giants need to address their O-line. And every season, they have O-line issues. I really do think if they had better protection, Daniel Jones would not have looked as bad. But Daniel Jones obviously isn't playing well. I am not, though, Chris, I am not ready to say that their season is over. Is that crazy? I'm not. I'm not. On the I'm road not. against the Dolphins, on the road against the Bills the next two weeks? All right, you know, Home against the Commanders? Commanders, yeah. You know, okay, okay. I know when you bring the schedule into Okay, this. all right, okay. Um, I'm, you know what, you I'm know, about to say, tell me something <laughs> no, I don't I know. know. <laughs> I know, you know, because, and it's funny, years ago um, when Todd Bowles coached the Jets, he had told me, you know what, year two, it's always harder. It's always harder in year two because, yes, year one, new coach, team has a good record. And then you got to convince him, like, throw that away. Like, that, it, you know, we're at 0-0. Zero, zero. Like, we, and the Giants overachieved last year. Um, this is a long, this is a long-term, like, vision. Like, this is a rebuild that will take five years. Um, and I, unfortunately, they're handcuffed to Daniel Jones for this year and next year. I don't know if he's the answer. But I've seen these guys stick together and play for Dable. I've seen him be a great players coach. So I'm not yet ready to say it's over. Uh, maybe in two weeks I will be. I don't know. Let's say that. You're not, <laughs> like, no, I'm, it's I'm over. It's over. It's done. It's a, it's, it feels like, well, a team that's not over with in that division is the Washington Commanders. I want to ask you about them. They're sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Sam Howell's looked good. The offense has looked good. We had a conversation on the show this week about Eric Bieniemy. He goes to Washington to mm-hmm. prove that he can do it without Andy Reid, without Patrick Mahomes. If the Commanders continue to have success, there's going to be a real conversation about Eric Bieniemy again as a head coach if he's finally going to get that job. Could the commanders, in your mind, do you see a, a scenario where they could elect to keep Eric Bieniemy over Ron Rivera? Uh, well, that was the interesting thing when he went there. Um, Bieniemy wasn't given assurances like, oh, if this falls apart, we're going to you know, make you the head coach or anything. Um, I don't know, because if they're playing well, what's your excuse for getting rid of Ron? 
Like, if they make the playoffs, why do you get rid of the head coach? I do think having Eric Bieniemy there is a great transition. If Ron Rivera says, like, okay, you know what? I'm actually done coaching. Then you have a guy already internally. But if this team does well, if they are competitive in December and January still and just make the playoffs or they do make the playoffs, I don't see why you would get rid of Ron. He did his job at that point. Talk with Kimberly A. Martin, of course, ESPN NFL reporter on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio alone. Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Let's finish with this. Game of the week this week clearly is the the game between the Cowboys and the Niners. We're all talking about mm-hmm. it. Would this be the best win by any team of the season if the Cowboys beat the Niners? The other candidates that we have discussed would be the Lions win against the Chiefs opening night. I'd say Bills-Dolphins. Would That's the, the other, other one, one that CeCe brought up. Um, yeah. No, I think the Dolphins beating the 49ers is bigger. Because if they the are Cowboys able, beating the, the 49ers. What did I say? Yes. The Cowboys beating the 49ers would be would be way bigger because of the history of the last two seasons in the playoffs, them losing. And just the narrative surrounding Dak. Like it yes, regular season stats matter. The Cowboys always have a really good record. Okay, but how soon are they gonna get bounced from the playoffs? It is only week five. But if this is a team that you know in my mind right now is the best team in the NFC currently, in my opinion, if you go out there and beat them, you are looking at Dak and the Cowboys a little differently. Because they, they almost I, I actually like the Cowboys this year, but but I think people look at them as fool's gold because it's like, okay, at some point they're going to disappoint. They're going to fall short. So I think that would be a good early test if they're able to beat them. Okay, Mark, real quick before we let you go. Uh, um, Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the mm-hmm. Indianapolis Colts, he's eligible to come off the pup list this week. Mm-hmm. There's chatter that he could practice. Yeah. Could we see Jonathan Taylor play well, even though they had this contentious contract dispute? Well, Shane Steichen had said he could play as early as this week, which would be interesting considering that he's missed a ton of time um, and didn't, doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, I, I'm interested to see how this week plays out. Because could they mend fences, or are we looking at a Jonathan Taylor still being dealt? Um, I stand. I think the Cleveland Browns should. I thought they should have traded for him um, before okay. they brought Kareem Hunt in. I just think if you are a team that's on on the cusp of being like, yeah, we have a playoff ready team. I think you you add him and give him a fresh start. Kimberly, awesome job as always. We'll see her on Get Up coming up 8 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Coming up, who is the first NFL QB to be benched this year? We'll find out next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can watch us on ESPN2 where you see CC dancing, ESPNU, ESPN Radio stations all across the country, Sirius XM80 and the ESPN app. And, of course, all of our stations across the country – 
We got playoff baseball today. Game twos between the Rangers and the Rays, Blue Jays and Twins, Diamondbacks and Brewers, Marlins and Phillies in that order today. 3 p.m., 4.30 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern time. And teams can close it out today. Game two of a three-game set uh, in the baseball playoffs. Also, that time already in the NFL where we're already talking about guys getting benched. We're already talking about the odds for guys potentially losing their jobs at the quarterback position, and we have it yesterday released that from sportsbetting.ag, the QB benching odds. So this is the odds for the first quarterback benched, and let's define benched. We're saying for non-injury-related reasons, right? Because mm-hmm. obviously we know that there are guys that have been out or could be out in the case of Joe Burrow, as CC has suggested, that maybe he sits out a game here and there because of injury-related reasons. Here we go. The most likely quarterback to be benched at plus 100, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. Then Mac Jones at plus 500, Sam Howell plus 900. The following guys are plus 1,000. Justin Fields, Kenny Pickett, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill. And then plus 1,800 for Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins. Plus 2,000 for Bryce Young. All right, where are you betting on this one? Where are you betting on this I one? I mean, Desmond Ritter at plus 100 is still good value, right? Yeah. <laughs> that feels like, that feels like that's going to happen. But like the one that I would actually look at where I think there could be good value, this is going to sound crazy, Kirk Cousins at plus 1,800. Kirk Cousins at plus 1,800. If the Minnesota Vikings fall out of this thing, I could see the organization taking a page out of what the Raiders did last year with Derek Carr. They knew they were moving on from him. Bench him. Let uh, Nick Mullins ride this thing out. And move forward. I know Justin Jefferson ain't going to like it because he's trying to get paid. And Kirk Cousins helps him put up numbers. But I could see a world where the Vikings decide we're going to bench Kirk Cousins, not because he's not playing well, but bench Kirk Cousins because we want to protect him as an asset, knowing that we're going to trade him. He's not a part of their long-term future. They would have gave him a contract extension if he was. They said, we're not going to pay you this offseason. You're going to go into the season as a lame duck starting quarterback. And then we're going to see what happens after that. Well, guess what? You started out one and three. It's not looking good for you. I, I don't see them being able to climb into the division race. I think the Detroit Lions are firmly in front of them. And I, right now I'd probably put the Green Bay Packers ahead of them too, not just in the standings, but in terms of what they'll be at the end of the year. So, yeah, I think we live in a world where the Minnesota Vikings bench Kirk, bench Kirk Cousins and they start Nick Mullins. To protect themselves, I understand that. But obviously the one name that we're all circling, and it's the the number one on the list is Desmond Ritter, right? Like this feels inevitable yeah. at this point after what we saw uh, Sunday versus the Jaguars, right? Well, the other thing is the backup matters and the reason why, right? Like, so CCU presented a case where the backup doesn't matter, right? Because it's more about not playing Cousins. In the case of Ritter, where they still have a shot to win the division, their backup is Taylor Heineke who's won games in this league. In the year the Bucs won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, he played against that Bucs defense for Washington better than anyone else did the entire postseason, and Mahomes played against them, right? So, I mean, they have a guy behind them. Here's the thing that's interesting to me on this list. And Atlanta actually has to win games to save their head coach's job. Arthur Smith and his staff aren't going to survive another losing season. Uh, Arthur Blank ain't going for another 7 and 10 years. Atlanta has to win. So the pressure on the head coach Mm -hmm. and his job security matters in terms of making that decision. And I still have no idea why they didn't, even for show, go for Lamar Jackson. Like, at least say to your fans, hey, Desmond Ritter's cool, 
and he's going to understand this. I'll, I'll pull Desmond Ritter aside. I think that was more of a league-wide ownership situation where we're saying we're not going to cross gonna this line. We're not going to do this. We're going to take back power from the quarterbacks in this instance. The Deshaun Watson outlier, we're not going to go down that road. So I don't know that it wasn't that the Atlanta Falcons don't think he can help them win, because obviously he does. I just think that was the owners holding the line against the players when it comes to how contracts are going to play out in guaranteed money. It's a great point, and it's amazing, and it's not right, but how easy you can connect the dots between Lamar Jackson not getting offers to Jimmy Haslam overpaying for Deshaun Watson with the Browns. Well, it's not a leap. I mean, the owner, Steve Bashotti from Baltimore, came out a couple weeks after the contract and said, hey, man, this is a problem. But that that should not be allowed because, in essence, that is – Loose version. Well, we of know we know collusion happens. We right. just can't prove it. There's no. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's that's a bad one. These guys, these guys meet on the tarmacs at airports Listen. with their private jets. Come on, man. You're talking to a girl from St. Louis. All right, don't, <laughs> don't get me started on how these NFL owners operate. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there looking at the list. Is there anybody else that we could see being benched in the foreseeable future? You know, that's not on the list. You're saying no. no just, you, you know what name pops out to me? Even though I don't think it will happen because it's constantly a conversation and they never do it. Is Ryan Tannehill? I know they're sitting there at two and two, and he hasn't given us reason to call for him to be benched. But doesn't it always feel like they're ready to move on from him? But they don't. They never do. But it's always the conversation. Is it going to be Malik Willis? When are we going to see Will Levis? It just feels like they're not sold on Ryan Tanhill, but I wouldn't put money on it because they never move on from him. Well, I'll give you something else. And this is what I understand the reality of this, that Cousins and Russell Wilson are on this list. But if you look at numerically the blind taste test, so to speak, the number – if I said to you, hey, we're going to have a quarterback this year that's going to play in four games. He's going to throw for over 1,200 yards, have 11 touchdowns, and four interceptions. And his completion percentage is going to be 68.8. You cool with that? I think everybody would say, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Now let me give you another quarterback. He's going to play in four games. He's going to have nine touchdowns, two interceptions. He's going to have over 1,000 yards with 1,014. And his completion percentage is going to be 67.4. You cool with that? The answer is, yeah, pretty good. That's Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson. Their teams, obviously, around them are not very good this year. They haven't always put their teams in the best position to succeed. But how bad they've been or how we're treating them, I think, is a little bit overblown. I understand why they're on this list, but these guys numerically have been pretty good this year. Yeah, but stats don't tell the whole story. I mean, Russell Wilson might have decent numbers, but look at how he played at the end of the game against the Raiders. Look at how he played at the end of the game against the Commanders, where he had a wide-open tight end in the end zone and couldn't hit the broad side of the bar with the throw I mean they got outscored 70 to 20 down in Miami and when the game was in the balance in the first half you had a chance when your defense gave you a short field due to a turnover on downs and you didn't get any points not a field goal not a touchdown not nothing so I think that all matters and then also roster construction Russell Wilson is playing on an offense that's in the top five in terms of total allocation of the cap three of the top four cap hits for the Denver Broncos are on the offensive side of the ball and yet Russell Wilson ain't doing much with that in the way of scoring points and winning games. So, yeah, I just think all of those things factor into how we have to look at these quarterbacks and how we have to look at these numbers. Context matters when we're talking about the numbers. I'm not going to completely dismiss the numbers. There's a reason why we keep track of the stats. But, again, it doesn't paint the full picture when it comes to Russ's overall impact on his team winning games. If I were to tell you you're paying $48.5 million a year and you turn on the tape and watch the quarterback play from the Denver Broncos – you tell me whether or not you feel like that's a good return on the investment. Understood. I just think that because of how bad he's been in, and they've been together, we blow out out of proportion a little bit. Sure. And, and here's the thing. We've seen Kirk Cousins have success. They were in the postseason last year. They won 13 games. So right. we'll give Kirk Cousins the benefit of the doubt in saying the team around him is not that great. 
Russ doesn't get that because he forced his way out of Seattle to the Denver Broncos, got everything he wanted in year one with Nathaniel Hackett, and it was a disaster. So, yeah, you might be right in terms of the perception and how both quarterbacks have gotten to this point over the last couple of years, but I I don't think anybody in the NFL would argue who they would rather have right now if they've got to try to win a game. I think the answer is Kirk Cousins. Absolutely, but I just think it's funny that we're saying we're not going to give the benefit of the doubt to the guy in the conversation that's won a Super Bowl. I know it's not been great in Denver. I know it's not the same version of himself, but historically he's been better than than we've seen. No, you're right, Smalls, and that's a great point you're bringing up. How much of what we've seen last year and what we saw on Monday night against the Giants uh, frames what we're talking about because Pete Carroll's done a hell of a job with Geno Smith and the renaissance that he's had. Geno was a cast off, now he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. How, how, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the post Russell Wilson Seattle Seahawks divorce, the big winner is Pete Carroll and how we look at him, right? And so I think that changes how we look at Russ's entire tenure as a Seahawk. And now that he's not there, and now that he doesn't have Pete Carroll, and now that he doesn't have John Schneider in the front office, we feel a little bit different about it. And to answer your question, give us another one on that list. Bryce Young plus 2,000 would be the bet out of protection. They have Andy Dalton there. <laughs> yeah, if they feel like, wait, we are in a spot where this guy could get hurt, plus winning games actually helps them because they don't have their own pick, maybe that would be the best bet. Coming up, something we did not see since 1919. We'll get to that next. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.